0: Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by my friends to talk about sides in totals in the best matchups here on the Week Ten NFL slate. Connor Allen, Sharp Clark, Connor, I'll start with you. What's going on, buddy?
1: Not a whole lot, you know. Coming off of a probably my worst week of the season, actually, which was kind of disappointing. But you know, Austin Eckler had me, you know, just oh my god, three drops, zero all season. Um, you know, two multiple called by back by penalties. So definitely some tilting moments, but all in all, not bad. Ready to hop back at it. And, you know, already got to play for Thursday. So,
0: you know, can't complain. Absolutely brutal. Um, I, I thought it was a great play. Um, and I know a lot of subscribers did as well. And we're in it and I saw a lot of people like in the industry and people either had like receptions or yards and like, you fell short basically of everything. But yeah, just, uh, I think a really smart play that you fell short and that's what happens in this game sometimes is you you know have really strong handicaps and sometimes uh it doesn't always go the way that you want it to it happens at times uh mark go ahead what do you got
1: i was gonna say i don't believe in mushing but i felt mushed because there was like a thousand people on it and i actually i was like man this is a super square play but i really like this and then i see all these like you know goons on twitter tweeting it out i'm like oh this is mush this does not feel right lo and
0: behold you know I think it's John Ewing it used to be like action network. I think he did stuff for MGM and he had like, uh, I was going to send it to you, but I didn't want to uh, make you feel bad before the game started. It was like 98% of the bets are, uh, you know, the money is on, you know, a variation of Eckler receiving. And I was like, Oh no, like, <laughs> it's never a good sign. Uh, but again, good process. Uh, just did not work. Uh, Clark, how are we doing today?
2: Good. Yeah. I found a new way to lose a bet this week with the Texans minus two and a half uh, with the, Score to go ahead and win by three, but then not kick the extra point because the kicker's injured. Uh Win by two, so that was that was a, a brutal one. But um yeah, doing good. I, I, I'm much more prepared for this show than I was last week because last week there was 16 games to process and watch the film for. So uh, this week I, I've been able to watch all of them. I'm ready to go and, and ready for, for week 10.
0: Yeah, I had the extra point thing in my notes here. I didn't want to rub salt in the moon. We we're going to talk about the, the Texans here. But yeah, what a brutal brutal way to uh to losing a, a bet uh yeah t- tough tough one for sure you know sometimes it's just not your week when that's what you get in the early early slate and you're like Ugh, i don't even want to watch what's going to happen in the afternoon if that's going to happen to me in the early slate so uh we're moving on week 10 double digits uh crazy how fast this goes i know it's a grind and we get like lost in you know the just the cadence of the week and like it just it gets crazy and all of a sudden we're like here we are and uh we're in almost the middle of november and uh you know again like you know some of us and people would hate to hear this because it, and it's ridiculous and connor and i talk about it i i hate it um we're so lucky that we get to do this for 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 a living uh and spend time doing this and people like bemoan the grind of of like, content and stuff and uh yeah like you get to talk and write and uh do things you know in the nfl uh it's just wild to me and i know it goes by Uh, To me, it goes by fast. Like, I want to hold on to these opportunities to make money uh, because I feel like, you know, when it's gone, like I'm thirsting for it in February. Like, I'm not even like enjoying when it ends. It's like I want it back right away. So, uh, but again, week 10 of the regular season, that means we have about another, what, 10, 12 weeks of actual football betting because we have playoffs and stuff like that too. So, um, three of us here live every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern on the 4 for 4 Bets YouTube channel. should be able to find the podcast in your feed on Wednesday evening. Subscribe to both so you don't miss the show. This is free content, uh, subscribing, uh, likes, thumbs up, all those things in the comments in the video. They go a long way in helping us, uh, allowing us to bring you some of the best tools and content in the industry here at 444. Take a second, click a button. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, don't forget, there is also a second show every week on Fridays. Connor, myself, John Hyslop from Odds Jam. That is Move the Line Prop Drop Show. Again, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fridays if you want to get into the player prop streets with us. Uh, We talk all the time here, and this is my job to essentially somewhat sell you on the fact that, hey, you should probably spend some money with us, right? This is free content, but we do have a subscription at 444 that allows you to get access to all the actual picks that we make, along with everything else that we do, including betting on the NBA. But if you're playing DFS, you're still grinding your season-long league on the football side. Like All that we do at 444 is encapsulated with a betting subscription. We've already discounted it because we're in week 10. Uh, It's already 50% off. We now have a promo code bets 50 B E T S five zero gets you an additional 50% off over an already 50% off sub it's 62 bucks right now to get a betting subscription at four for four through the end of the football season actually takes you through the end of February. So it gets you you basically through the all-star break in the NBA, uh, wish we could do it differently it's just kind of how our system works uh but you can you know we'll have advantages the deals for you to take advantage to get in to get early for next year but again 62 dollars to basically bet with us for the next four months and you get lots of other stuff too check it out 444.com plans bets 50 uh for a 62 dollar sub again it's 250 for the year um and we're down to 62 bucks again we are you know it's a truncated season but again still a lot of time almost four months for that subscription to really have value for you check it out 444.com slash plants all right uh we don't have kind of like the four ultra games that we had last week but i think we have a good mix of games and impactful games here it's you know as we get to this point where now we have to start talking about like playoff implications divisions you know futures some of that stuff is there anything on the board connor for you right now uh that you're looking at i know you played an in-season future not like to make the playoffs but you know fading a team um i really liked your your edge there If you want to share that with folks i don't know if it's still bettable but um what's your process looking like in terms of like looking at futures as we get into this part of the season
1: yeah i'm always open to looking at other futures markets but i have to feel i think extra good about it because i think in we're in the in-season grind like i don't know i feel like the churn of money i think can just be made easier if i'm making more in-season plays than um, you know a future but if I that being said if I think that there's like extra expected value on something I'm more than open to playing it so I played the New York Giants have the worst record this is plus 320 at FanDuel I think it was still plus 280 as of this morning uh, I'd probably play sound like plus 275 maybe even lower because we're looking at them and being in contention right now with Arizona Carolina Chicago and New England and we have the Giants now officially starting Tommy DeVito who's I think the worst quarterback in the league, uh, you know, by a pretty wide margin at this point, the Cardinals getting back Kyler Murray, he's going to start this week, the Bears probably not going to just fail back this week, but the week after, and then Carolina has a couple winnable, I mean, you know, quote, winnable games, like there are games where they will be close underdogs, you know, and so I think that's pretty important there. And this Giants team, Darren Waller on IR offensive line, you know, I have a Neil injured again uh you know Tommy DeVito already talked about it 16 point underdogs in Dallas this week so I don't know I thought that they should be like basically favorites or tied for favorites here because this in my mind is a pretty close race especially with the Giants here even though Brian Dable was great last year I'm just I think it's time to be fully out and I know Clark has been big on fitting the Giants or at least was in the futures market before the season
0: yeah yeah Clark's got a nice I think you got an alt under win total or something there it's probably sitting nice. How about you, Clark, in terms of looking at futures or, you know, anything else that's caught your eye or anything that maybe you're looking at to see in terms of how this week shakes out?
2: Yeah, I've been looking at futures markets, just kind of, you know, scanning them. I I think, you know, I spend so much of my time on on the weekly NFL spreads and totals bets, but that's such a difficult market. Whereas, you know, in-season futures are lower limits and they're more varied prices from book to book, which is just a softer market to play. So when I see, you know my numbers. I, I look at my numbers week to week, and I look at how I'm projecting this week's matchups and next week's matchups. And if I see a team that has potential uh, material, uh, you know, change in expectations upcoming based on how I project they'll play, then sometimes I can find value in that in the futures market. Last week, you know, I, I posted on Twitter about the Saints division was plus one forty five, which I thought was uh, mispriced, and now everything went my way last week, and and now I think it's minus minus two hundred on circa. So that was that was a pretty good week. Uh, this week, I like. Uh, the Browns to miss the playoffs, so you can get it at plus 150 at Caesars, um, plus 140 circa, and and um, Fanduel. I think, has plus 140 as well. You know, the AFC playoff race is going to be real tight. Um, you know, there's a chance that one of the top six teams kind of, you know, fails, like whether it's injury or just, you know, underperforming. But I think Miami and Buffalo, Cincinnati and Baltimore, and then the winner, you know, the Chiefs and the Jags, a winner of those divisions. I think all six of those teams are fairly likely to make it. Um, I'm probably higher on the bills than I think most people are, but that seventh spot's going to be a dogfight. And uh, the Browns have a relatively easier schedule than some of the teams in their division. But I think that's overplaying how, how bad this team can be like Deshaun Watson. I've, you know, I've been anti Deshaun Watson for, you know, on this show <laughs> throughout the off season. Um, and I finally think the price is there to kind of fade in because people think that, okay, he's healthy. They can be better now. But Deshaun Watson is not a good quarterback. They've lost two offensive linemen. Their defense has been keeping them afloat against bad defenses. We're going to get into this when we talk about the Ravens-Browns matchup. But this is a very susceptible team to a big drop-off if they suffer a couple of injuries on defense. And I'm not sure that their offense is good enough to win some of these games they are going to be you know, priced close to pick them down the stretch. So this is a team that I think should be a lot closer to plus 100 to plus 150. So I think there's some value on, on Browns to miss the playoffs.
0: Good transition. We'll jump in. That's our first game here this week. And I think impactful one in terms of how the AFC North shakes out a little bit. Uh, Cleveland is in Baltimore. Uh, This was Baltimore minus four and a half briefly on Sunday night. Got bet out quickly to five and a half and then out to six on Monday morning and has held there. totals dropped a little bit too uh, from 40. We get down to 37 and a half jumps back up here in the last little bit. There are some 38s on the board, 38 and a half on FanDuel here. Second meeting of the season. First one, I don't think we really should even talk about. It was the Dorian Thompson-Robinson starts. Ravens picked him off three times, sacked him four times. I think just really impossible to draw anything uh, in terms of what happened there. You know, obviously the short fields given to the Ravens offense impact the Browns there, so it wasn't even like, oh, hey, they hung 28 on the Browns defense. It's like that's not really how that actually happened if you were to uh, watch that game. So uh, Baltimore 7-2, and winners of four straight, sitting atop this division where, as of now, uh Everyone in the in the division would make the playoffs, which is absolutely wild. And I don't think any of us really think that. I mean, Clark obviously just bet against uh, the Browns. I don't think he's on the Steelers either. We're not going to talk about them today. But I mean, two dominant performances. Detroit and Seattle are good football teams, and the Ravens absolutely boat raced both of those squads on the season through nine games. They've allowed nine touchdowns. It's fantastic. Uh, I mean, I pointed out this is. I still think it's subpar talent defensively. It's kind of wild. I mean, look, Kyle Van Noy was like doing spots on the Pat McAfee show, like in like week three. And the dude is like impactful in terms of what they're doing from an edge rush standpoint. Jadavion Clowney is getting it done. It's like, it's Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith uh, and just a bunch of guys, especially in the like in the edges, like where they, you know, outside in the in cornerbacks and stuff. Like, I don't know. It's, it's incredible. Uh, it, Marlon Humphreys has been in and out of the lineup. They've had a ton of injuries. It's been awesome. Uh, Clark, I'll let you keep rolling with this one here. Uh, Baltimore minus six.
2: Yeah. So the, the the Browns and Ravens defenses have both been obviously top of the league. Their their statistical metrics are fantastic, but I th- I think the Ravens defense is better than the Browns defense, and I think that's based on recent play and who they've played, who who they've done it against. If you look at the Browns in the last five weeks, you know they absolutely smothered the Cardinals with Clayton Tune at quarterback. Fair enough. But when they played Seattle, they weren't that great on defense. Seattle led the game winning drive, you know, for a touchdown to win. Uh, put up, I think, 24 points. When they played the Colts, their defense wasn't great against, you know, Gardner Minshew, who has been kind of up and down, you know, during during this year outside of that game. San Francisco, they played well, but, you know, they suffered so many in-game injuries, the Niners did, and then there was bad weather. There was uh, a lot of penalties that led to a lot of, you know, first and 20s and stuff that kind of impacted them. Um, and then Baltimore, they didn't really play that well on defense against Baltimore. Granted, the game was one way, but, you know, Lamar Jackson did what he needed to do, led a couple long touchdown drives in the first half and the game was over. Whereas the Ravens, their defensive performances have come against the Lions and the Seahawks in in two of the past three weeks. And they've absolutely smothered both of those teams. Those are very good offenses. So when I'm comparing these two defenses in the way they've been playing recently, I think the Ravens are actually better. And what I love about their pass rush is they don't have, you know, one stud player that is just like, you know, every 10 plays making such an incredible move that the quarterback has no chance to get away. It's it's a group of guys meeting at the quarterback consistently. And when you have that group pressure, it's really, really tough for the offense to do anything about it. Um, so I think here, Deshaun Watson, who I'm very low on, and I don't think it's a very good quarterback, hasn't shown anything in his entire time in Cleveland. Um, he is slow to process. You know, the offensive line is is beat up on both sides. I think this is a spot where the Ravens defense will just, smother the Browns offense they don't have a run game to offset it um, and I think that's going to give the Ravens a lot of offensive possessions this is one of my favorite ways to play a game is when I project you know a complete domination on defense on one side and then a good matchup on the other side is the Browns defense will win some matchups the Ravens offense will win some matchups but because of the number of possessions they'll get based on how many times they stop the Browns offense I expect the Ravens to eventually score enough points to cover even a big spread like six um, so I like the Ravens here at home. Uh, I think they're in a different class than the Browns. And I think this is where they should.
0: Yeah. The interesting thing too, because you look at all the metrics, all the key metrics you touched on. I mean, basically these two are top two in the league and in, in everything. The one edge is Baltimore's red zone defense. It's been significantly better than Cleveland's uh, Ravens best in the league. Um, just seven of their 21 red zone trips against them have resulted in a touchdown. Now, um, Cleveland's only allowed 18 trips to the red zone against them, but like converting at a pretty high rate, they're 29th in red zone defense. Now again, smaller sample, only 18 uh, red zone appearances, like I said, but uh, that's, I think, a difference maker. We could talk about if that's a sticky stat or if that's something, you know, you can take into consideration who those offenses are. But to your point, like the Browns haven't really done it against the elite teams that we think in comparison to what the Ravens have done. So uh, Connor, floor is yours. Uh, Clark was right. Like you and I kind of like – we struggled in the offseason doing our AFC North pod. We were like, Clark is just kind of dumping on Deshaun Watson, having never been a good quarterback. You know, we pushed back on that. I still would say that that I don't think is necessarily true. It's hard to argue right now. Right. Like, and I think Clark made a good point earlier of the perception of the Browns. Now that we're out of kind of the backup era, Hey, they're getting healthy. They're getting right. But all of a sudden, like they lose Jedrick Wills. Uh, like this is a um, an interesting, interesting game. And I think, you know, the Ravens are are kind of the right side. I get why the lines move where it's gone.
1: Yeah, he's played one good game this season against the Titans, but I think everyone's played a good game against the Titans, you know, on a lot except for basically Joe Burrow in that fluke game, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I don't really have much disagreement here. I think my angle would be a little bit different. I think that I would like the under on the game. You know, I think that all, all everything basically you said applies. Um, I guess my only lean would be more towards the under instead of taking the side here, just because I mean Lamar averaged close to ten yards per attempt, but. I think Noonan, you brought up a good point. Like DTR had three interceptions. Like, you know, like a lot of the scoring, you know, the final score was, I think, you know, turnover fueled. So I think if you go into this game here specifically, like we're probably not going to get that, I would assume, because even though Deshaun's, you know, not very good, he's at least throwing the ball into the dirt or way over the receivers and not in the other team's hands. So it's like, you know, I think it's a little bit different here. So yeah, I'd probably just lean towards the under. I don't have much more to add beyond that because you guys did a great job of fleshing out both sides for, I don't think there's many schematic advantages that either offense has either, to be honest, that they're really worth digging into.
0: Yeah, that's fair here. What's the uh, Browns? Eh, yeah. Well, team total, you can find uh, 16 and a halfs out there. Again, you know, doesn't really matter. 14 and a half, 15 and a half at that point when you're on that side of 17, it doesn't matter too, too much. But yeah, that's game under. I can get behind too. But yeah, I think that's probably a pretty good look. I uh, wish I would have got the four and a halves. I would have jumped on the four and a half that, came out pretty quickly and was gone within an hour or two there on uh, on Sunday night. Uh, all right, next, San Francisco on the road in Jacksonville. Uh, this open San Fran, two and a half, got out to San Fran minus three. Some buyback on the Jag side, uh, down back down to two and a half, and then we've seen now more money stabilize the Niners here at three, minus 110 pretty much across the board. Totals are out there in a um, number of different totals, basically 45 and a half up to 46 and a half. Uh, all readily available in domestic. So shop around if you have a specific lean there, both clubs coming off of week nine by Niners certainly limped into theirs. They look like world beaters after just absolutely curb stopping the Cowboys there on Sunday night back in week five. And when you do that against a national team on a Sunday night game, like we had Brock Purdy, the favorite basically for MVP all of a sudden, since then losers of three straight started basically when they lost both Debo Samuel and Trent Williams, that's going to happen. Those are pretty impactful players. And uh, that matchup that kind of went wonky with the Browns um, and, you know, a couple, again, I think poorly timed turnovers for Brock Purdy. I don't think it's anything to me, at least that's really problematic. Connor both players, though, trending pretty well uh, coming out of the bye. We should have them both here. What's your thoughts here on uh, Niners, Jacks? Yeah,
1: there's been some interesting line movement in the last 30 minutes. This over, this total has gone from 46 and a half to now an even 45. Uh, and for me, I like the over at that point uh, at 45 and I was already leaning there at 46 and a half because two reasons here specifically. So we had this Niners defense uh, last two games, 8.4 yards per attempt Kirk Cousins, 378 yards, and then Joe Burrow, 283 yards and three touchdowns on 8.84 yards per attempt. San Francisco only pressured those two quarterbacks and 36% of the dropbacks, which is middle of the road, uh, you know, after all season, 41% pressure rate. They added Chase Young. Obviously that's going to make an impact, but Trevor Lawrence so far only been pressured on 29% of his dropbacks fourth lowest rate in the league. And when he has been pressured, he hasn't been very good, but when he is not under pressure, completing 74% of his passes, 101 passer rating. So I think that that uh, on the Jaguar side is encouraging because that was my biggest question before digging into it. it. was like, can the Jags line hold up? Can Trevor Lawrence have enough time to really exploit, you know, the nine year secondary that, you know, hasn't really played all that well lately. But then we have on the other side too here, you made a great point. It's like Trent Williams coming back, uh, you know, Debo Samuel coming back, like everyone seems to be at least fully healthy. Now, at this point here, Brock Purdy splits under pressure are, are pretty significant here because this Jags defense, 25th in pressure rate. Purdy is connected on 30 of 39 passes, even the last two games when he hasn't been playing well for 11 yards per attempt. And then on the season, 78% completion rate, 10.4 yards per attempt when not under pressure. So, I mean, again, if they're able to keep him clean and I think they're going to go pass heavy here because this is a little bit of a spot where the Jags like to load the box. I don't think that they're going to blindly run into those. Like, I think that they're going to see probably some heavier sets and then use that to their advantage with play action and get the tight ends involved and like, you know, uh, you know, play action. IU and can stuff there. So I like the over, um, now that being said, it becomes a little bit fragile if they decide, Oh, we're going to go run heavy right into Jacksonville's loaded box. Or if, you know, Jacksonville can't keep San Francisco out of their backfield. Like that's could obviously massively, massively deter the, the total year, but, uh, I'm confident enough that both teams are able to score to get over this total of 45.
0: Yeah, good thoughts there. Uh, Clark, where are you at in this one?
2: Yeah, I see that. I My metrics have been pretty low on the 49ers defense compared to what I expected coming into the season. Uh, they've just not been performing at the level that I, you would expect. I mean, they have the talent. They have the players. You know, like these guys are studs up and down this defense, but it's not been happening on the field. And so my numbers, you know, I I, I always anticipate – who I'm going to like in a game based on, you know, like I'll publish my, my power ratings on, on Twitter and then I'll get a bunch of pushback and wherever that pushback is, it's typically like, Oh, that's probably a team I want to bet on. I got a lot of pushback for ranking the Niners number one in my rankings last week. Like how can you rank a team number one after losing three games? Um, But my numbers actually make this under three uh, for the, for the Niners on the road against Jacksonville. So like the team that I perceived that I would be on, I'm not actually on. um, And I think that's a big reason why the problem though is they really could step up on defense. Like it's one of those things where the numbers say one thing, but like, I know I've seen it. We saw it last year. We saw it all last year. We, you know, we know who the players are. We know they have the talent. They added um, Chase Young and you know, the coaching maybe was a downgrade from what they had last year with D'Amico Ryans, but they also just had a bye week to figure some stuff out. Like, There's a chance that this Niners team kind of hits its stride coming out of the bye week, and that's not something I want to run into with the Jags this week. Because if they do, if that defense returns to form, they're going to be materially better, and they will be the best team in the NFL. Um, it's also not a game that I want to tease the Jags. I mean, I know we're kind of out of the two and a half now, we're under the three, so it's probably not a great teaser candidate anyway. But this is the kind of game that could get out of hand if the, if that 49ers defense shows up the way that it can. Uh, out of the bye, I do like the Jags and I do like Trevor Lawrence but this is a really really tough matchup and and like you said schematically if the Niners you know use the Jaguars aggressiveness against the run against them and really get get that to create space on the outside the way Shanahan can and does frequently then this could be a easy game where the Niners just march up and down the field might take a while so the over is you know maybe a little bit dicey for me but uh, but I do expect the Niners to move the ball well and uh, successfully throughout the game
0: yeah, I don't have a good feel for this one. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like both teams. Like, I feel like every week, like Jacksonville, first of all, they're six and two. They won five in a row, but like we don't, we're not talking about them as like a team that's like we think is like real contenders in this in this conference. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of meat left on the bone every week in terms of like they went out and they you know beat Pittsburgh twenty to ten. It was sloppy, you know, bad turnovers. Like it should be like kind of really pulling away from that team especially with you know, the way the Steelers just kind of muck up things. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I just I feel like the Jags are good. They belong to, in that discussion. They should be the playoff team. They should be the team that we kind of thought coming in was the clear favorite in that division. But I don't think of them as like a 6-2 AFC powerhouse that's going to actually really get in the way of some of these other teams here in the conference. So um, I think they can be better. I haven't seen it yet. need to see some more consistency consistency from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the run game, the offensive line hasn't been great. So, um, you know, and I want to see, like you mentioned, like Fred Fred Warner. We talk about like all-world linebackers. He's had like a 17% missed tackle rate this year. That is not what we've seen from Fred Warner at all in his career. Uh, Dre Greenlaw in and out of the lineup all the time. The secondary you can pick on if you can't get to the quarterback. So why I think they felt like, hey, we need to make a move here. And I think the Chase Young is a splashy move. Let's see what kind of comes out of that in the bye and moving forward. So for me, it's going to be a watch and see. I'm with you. I don't think there's teaser legs because I think there's a pretty wide range of outcomes if the Niners get rolling here. I don't I don't want Jags plus money because I think the, the Niners can get uh, can steamroll them here a little bit too. So uh, going to be a good one to watch. I want to wait and see. Next, Detroit is on the road. They're in L.A. Uh, this opened Detroit's uh, minus one and a half, moved to two and a half on Monday. That's a movement earlier today on this one as well. We are now out to Detroit's minus three across the board here against the Chargers. Totals held strong. Forty-eight and a half. It's a tough schedule spot for the Chargers. Lions coming off of a bye. Chargers having to go east back to west. They were in New York, obviously on Monday nights. Back home in Chargers home games. Uh, never a home field advantage here. To Lions fans, obviously, you know they're dying to restore the roar here, really. So they're like traveling well and stuff. All of a sudden, probably a de facto home game for Detroit here. So and Detroit too is like a weird team. Like I, I almost buy into like some narratives and coach speak with the team like Detroit more than I would for any other team because of like this coaching staff, former players, Dan Campbell, like they got their teeth kicked in by Baltimore before the buy that probably didn't sit well and has been kind of stewing a little bit. And now they get to come out against the chargers team who just, I don't know there's just not a lot of juice here, Connor, what are your thoughts on Detroit and the chargers?
1: Yeah, I know we're going back to back here, but I also like the over in this game because I think that with both of these defenses here. And I was digging into their splits against like good teams. It's wild. So we look at this this Chargers defense here. They played against like three good quarterbacks, 466 yards and three touchdowns of Tua, 367 yards and three touchdowns of Kirk Cousins, 424 yards and four touchdowns to Patrick Mahomes. Like that is any reasonable offense they played against, that's been what they've allowed. And then the Lions defense, kind of the same thing here. Against Lamar Jackson, Geno, and Matt Mahomes, where Mahomes frankly played terrible, the Chiefs' office played terrible. Still including that because, again, I sh- I'm not going to disclude it just because he had a bad game. 300 passing yards per game, allowing eight and a half yards per attempt, 13% explosive pass rate, seven touchdowns, one pick. So I know that it's not all in those splits, but uh, I mean, I think that contextualizing it and looking at who they're playing this week is important. Now, I think there could be some questions about how much juice the Chargers offense has in total totality, but I kind of think the last week is a little bit of an outlier with, uh, you know, how poorly their offensive played because the Jets defense is, as we talked about on the show, awesome. Like they're a great, great defense. And the Chargers didn't have Josh Palmer in a matchup where they literally could not throw outside the numbers because of sauce and DJ Reed. So I don't know. I kind of think they get the totals 48 and a half. It seems a little bit high, but I think we could have some success here uh, from both sides offensively.
0: I mean, they won by 20 some points. So it's like a weird situation where you come out of it feeling like, oh, they, you know, they, yeah, like the count return
1: or whatever, right? It was like yeah. a punt return, maybe. So yeah. Yeah. And
0: that's part of yeah. it, too, right? Still yeah. 20 points. Kinda... Uh, Clark, where are you at in this one?
2: Yeah. The Lions defense has had some coverage lapses. Like they've, they, their numbers are really good and the production's been really good, but it's been a lot of, there's been a lot of throws where it's like, I mean, we saw it on, on Monday night in full display against the Raiders, where if the quarterback just throws the ball accurately, like those numbers don't look good. You know, Devontae Adams catches two long bombs if if Garoppolo can hit him. That's been the case throughout the year. And and the bad quarterbacks the Lions have faced haven't been able to capitalize. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield was the same way, missed a lot of throws that, that could have been successful in that game. Um, whereas, you know, Lamar Jackson just absolutely dominated them. So if, if Justin Herbert can capitalize against those lapses in coverage against the Lions, then I do think that... Uh, the Chargers can have some success here. Since the bye, they've struggled on offense without Mike Williams and Corey Lindsley, but they've gone against the Jets, who are an elite defense. They've gone against the Chiefs and the Cowboys, who are also very good on defense. And then finally, the Bears, um, who are playing better on defense, and the Chargers played well on offense in that game anyway. So this, this does project to be a game where I think the Chargers' offense gets back on track you know, the travel concerns are there. The, the bye week, extra week to prepare for the Lions, uh, you know, Ben Johnson's probably scheming up some stuff to capitalize against this Chargers defense uh, is not a great proposition. It feels like the kind of game where if the Chargers, you know, get a three and out on their first possession, it's going to be 14 nothing Lions. And then it's like, oh, you know, why did I bet on the Chargers? Um, so I'm, I'm still processing that. I, you know, m- my numbers would prefer, you know, w- when it was at two and a half, my numbers preferred the teaser leg. Um, you know, you can still tease from three to nine, but, um, you know, you don't get as much value there. So I'm, I'm, I'm hands off on this game for now. Uh, but this is a game that I think means a lot more to the chargers than it does the lions. Um, whether or not that impacts the actual final score, I don't know. Uh, but it's, a, it's not a spot that I'm looking to get involved with the, with the home favorite, uh, against a team that is in desperation mode, uh, trying to save its season and, and probably should have a good game. here.
0: Yeah, it's the Mike Williams injury, and we've seen it because this happens annually. We have a Mike Williams injury that has massive ramifications to the offensive upside of the Chargers. And, like, look, Qu- Quentin Williams, they want him to maybe be the dude. He's out there a ton on, on Monday night and, like, absolutely nothing. Like, bottom of the league in, like, yards per route run, I think, like really close to bottom of the league in terms of, like, where he's at. Just not getting it done. It's just, again, it has to be a lot of Austin Eckler. has to be a lot of Keenan Allen to, to stretch the field. Uh, you charge or the, you know, the Lions are going to healthy, you know, get, you know, David Montgomery back here. And I don't think they're going to need Jared Goff to cook, but I think Jared Goff is like uber efficient and picks apart this Chargers defense, kind of like what Connor outlined. Like when they've played really good uh, quarterbacks and quarterbacks, thinking can get it done, protected, kept clean. Uh, yeah. I, I, like I said, I, two and a half would be more interesting. I didn't get in on two and a half. So three is way less enticing to me, but I would definitely be lions or nothing to me. I'm not really interested in the chargers in this situation, in this spot, um, I could be sold on the over. Uh, I think that's probably a good lean there, too. But, yeah, I think even Lions team total, I think the Lions have no problem putting up points and moving the ball here on the Chargers. All right, next we have Houston on the road in Cincinnati. Uh, it's opened Cincinnati minus 8, down to 6.5 in most spots. There are some uh, juice 7s out there as well. Total has been bet out from 45 and a half to 48 in most spots. This is obviously driven off of the – uh, news to monitor here around jamar chase in his back he landed awkwardly on the lower back there in a deep attempt early in the matchup against the bills sure enough he's feeling it didn't practice here on wednesday uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens there I, I don't know that i expect it to be like a long-term issue maybe it's an impactful issue for this week um you know kind of strange quotes in terms of like i just gotta support my teammates you know i gotta get healthy like didn't sound super encouraging but uh on the other side of CJ Struth, the cj Stroud the cj strout stuff guys is like is awesome. Um, I mean, again, like, sorry, Clark is a bad way to lose a bet. Um, gaudy stat line, he threw like 325 yards in the second half alone. The last second comeback was awesome. Some of the stuff, though, uh, and Solak did a great job on his piece on the ringer this week. Every quarterback with at least 200 pass attempts has thrown at least three picks. Stroud has one. Um, that's impressive in and of itself. There are paths for that to happen, though, right? It makes sense, like, if you think about. How you can maybe get there in terms of like just protecting the football. Extremely impressive, though, with a rookie quarterback and a rookie play caller and Bobby Slowick. But like you can just play really cautious. You can just check down. You can throw it away all the time. We've seen that like Aaron Rodgers uh, had a handful of years there where he just like refused to throw an interception. <laughs> he he like tripled everyone in like you know, throwaway rate. Like he just, you know, take a ton of sacks, um, to get the ball out quick in extremely high quick game screen passes. No, that is not what's happening. Stroud is dropping back behind what's been mostly a decimated offensive line. He's turned Nico Collins and Tang Dell into like household names. They've been like dudes this year. They've been getting it done. He's fifth in average depth of target on a season. He's second in average depth of target on play action looks. Like this is next level stuff. So like, yeah, we had the moment where it was like a great comeback, but like all the stuff beyond it is really, really encouraging that he's like maybe actually a guy. Now they're getting healthy. Part of it's too, like, you lose Damian Pierce, you don't want to really run with Devin Singletary. So all of a sudden you're like, sometimes you accidentally unlock a next level for the quarterback here. And that's what's happening with Stroud here. I understand maybe kind of this pro Stroud movement here along with the Jamar Chase news here. Clark has kind of moved this. What are your thoughts on this one? It's going to be a fun one to watch. I think.
2: Yeah, totally. Stroud is the man. I mean, his, his demeanor, everything, everything about the way he plays the game is, is so exciting. Um, he's super solid. I, I've been really enjoying watching the the Texans, but surprisingly, I actually don't like them in this game. I, I think, I mean, obviously not, obviously not at six and a half. It's more interesting at seven. I think that's kind of where we're headed. Um, but even there, the Bengals are playing better on defense than they have earlier in the year. And I think this is an important point heading into this part of the season last year, you know, part of their strength on defense was their safety tandem and they got rid of both of them. And they've had two young guys—not not rookies, but you know, basically rookies—step into the defense, and it's looked worse this year, especially early on. Those guys are getting better; they're, they're figuring stuff out schematically. You know, Lou Anarumo always does this—he figures stuff out by the end of the year. He knows what he's doing; he knows what his guys can do. And I think we're seeing this. Like it, my big takeaway from the Bills-Bengals game was that the Bengals defense actually stopped the Bills' offense quite quite a lot. And this Bills' offense has been playing very well this year, so that was very impressive to me. Um, I think that is one thing to be watching for. And the other side, Joe Burrow is playing the best football of his career right now, in my opinion. His command of the offense, his anticipation, his timing, his accuracy, his poise, everything is is very, very flat and very, very solid. Um, and I think he understands when to take chances. He understands when to take what the defense gives. And he's playing at a level that I think is good enough to carry you know the Bengals back to relevance after a really rough start. Um, So this is a Bengals team that's hitting its stride and playing at home against a Texans team that just came off a massive win uh, that they feel really, really good about. Um, And I think this is a spot where uh, it's exciting to look at what the Texans can do. But I think this is going to be a Lou Anarumo versus CJ Stroud game. And I think Lou Anarumo wins that matchup. Um, So and and Bobby Slok, like you said. Uh, so this is a game that I'm not looking to get involved in with such a big spread, but um, not not one that I'm looking to back the Texans. Where I might have thought that I wanted to because I love the Texans offense, and getting seven with a good offense is typically a good angle. But uh, this isn't this isn't the spot for me.
0: Connor, I'm shook right now. This is pro Bengals talk coming from from Clark here. I definitely I thought for sure he was in on some, maybe had some you know pocket Texans you know eights that he didn't <laughs> tell us about here. Uh, pro Lu Amarillo takes here. I, yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I'm. Next week we're gonna get pro Eagles thoughts from Clark, and like the whole world is whoa, gonna be like, whoa whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> the, F- whole world the, the world's it.
1: over if if he says Deshaun Watt anything good about Deshaun Watts and We know that. Yeah, then we are really for Clark. We gotta go. You know, find. It. I mean, players.
2: obviously, Jamar, Jamar Chase matters, and, and Fabian said T Higgins is limited. I don't. I'm not too worried about that. It's Wednesday, whatever. Um. Also, you know, Jamar Chase is saying that stuff, but like, you remember when Tyree Kill was like. Uh, you may see me in like a couple of months or whatever, right. like and then he's <laughs> out the next week. Like we players, especially wide receivers, you know, this is the wide the wide receiver, like the enemy holds a knife or whatever. Like they yeah. say stuff yeah. that is just out there. So I'm I'm not giving up on on Chase yet. Um if he's ruled out, it obviously dampens some optimism. But if Chase Chase plays, then teasing the Bengals down to one is, is auto bet for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, t higgins could be interesting big t higgins week for uh, my boy connor here made some money at uh, laddering t higgins this is t higgins um basically playing and highlighting himself for his uh his, his future team next year uh t higgins uh in, in texans is uh texas got a lot of money to spend uh t higgins not coming back to, to cincinnati uh that could be very interesting but yeah connor floor is yours what are your thoughts here on uh houston and cincinnati
1: I noticed what Clark did with the Cincinnati defense because there there are total metrics here: thirty-first and explosive pass rate allowed, twenty-eighth in passing success rate. Just like was not reflected in any way, uh, you know what we saw last week. And so I have some concern about this Texans offense. Also, the fact is like they just can't run the ball like at all. Like I don't think opponent agnostic. Like they literally cannot run the ball no matter who they play. And so even though the Bengals run defense at times has been leaky, like I just don't think that even matters in any facet here um, because they just haven't shown to be able to do it against literally anyone. And so, that's kind of that, that could be an issue when they face a team that kind of figures that out a little bit. And I think Lou Aaron Arumo could be a team or a coach that's able to do that. Also, where I think Cincinnati could have an edge is on play action. So, out of the bye, we saw Joe Burrow use play action more. Since the bye, 31% uh, play action rate. Texans against play action, 31st completion rate, 29th in yards per attempt, along 10 yards per attempt against play action. So, I mean, it could be a great time, and that's why we've seen T. Higgins get more involved, is because they're able to have like deeper routes where it's not just like, oh, you need to get open in like two seconds. Cause that's not really T. Higgins' game. That's more of a Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd game. And that's, I mean, reflected in his production. So um, obviously, I would like T. Higgins to be fully healthy in order to make a bet on the Bengals here. Um, I would like uh Jamar Chase to be fully healthy. I think that one's a little bit more up in the air. But again, like Clark said, we'll see. I think if you know if what if Chase misses and there's still a seven around here, I would lean towards Houston at seven. Um, if we can get a six and a half and we have Chase and Higginson, you know, I would be fine with that, too. So I guess I think that they honestly both of those guys matter a lot in this matchup.
0: Yeah, you guys touched on it. Basically, we had Seattle scored 13, San Francisco scored 17 and Baltimore scored 18. Those are the last three games, really strong offenses. And that's just. Uh, Cincinnati is is taking it to a different level. and As Clark said, maybe just a little bit more continuity in terms of what's going on in the back half. Um, it's just been significantly better. We've had some really good games from Trey Hendricks and, you know, Sam Hubbard up front. Um, you know, the interior with, uh, you know, Hill and Reader are excellent. Like, it's just a really nice unit that seems to be gelling. So a lot of things kind of working there uh, on the, you know, on the, the Bengals side. And look, we're coming off of, you know, two weeks ago, like this Texas team lost to, like, to the panthers um and like kind of handily in a way like the score didn't show it that way but like they really couldn't get anything going um so yeah part of it is like i think they kind of accidentally backed into having to go more pass heavy and that just allowed them to kind of maximize their best talent like sometimes also, you gotta do that like get off of the get off the run
2: yeah they, they capitalized against some secondary injuries against the bucks I think Jamal dean was out in that second half when when he did yeah, all that almost damage. the whole game yeah almost the whole game and and Baker Mayfield. Let's not forget, Baker Mayfield absolutely torched this Texans defense on the other side. Like we'd be talking about Baker Mayfield if Cedar Stroud didn't, you know, miracle comeback that game. So uh, this is not a defense that I'm particularly afraid of, even without Jamar Chase. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow has done it, but without Chase in the past, he's he's. I projected a big drop off for him last year in those four games where he missed Chase, and he made me look silly for that projection. Um, so I I think the Bengals can figure it out.
0: Yeah, it's Bengals or nothing for me. I'm not super interested in the Texans, even though, you know, I pumped Stroud's tires there to, to start. I think just ex- excited to have a nice young quarterback in the league that's going to be, I think, around and, and a guy for a couple of years. And, um, you know, even though they it kind of interesting to see what they did in the draft, I think they hit home runs, at least with both picks. Like Will Anderson Jr. has been outstanding. Um, and, you know, obviously Stroud is the guy too. So, yeah, they've they kind of sold out this year, but at least they went two for two with those top three picks.
1: What about those uh, Joe Burrow MVP tickets? Those are yes. look nice. LV looking nice right now. But okay, I will say though, Josh Allen twenty to one now is probably a, a pretty good uh, yeah you know, buyback. I think
0: so. The Josh Allen stuff makes a ton of sense because, like, think about how they have to get there based off of what we know of how the Bills are right now. It's going to be Josh Allen Superman performances because uh, the can, defense. Can,
2: can Joe Burrow win MVP if the Ravens win the AFC North? Probably not. Hmm.
1: That's the that's the issue. That yeah. that's that's the biggest issue. I mean at the top here we have Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, Tua, and and Lamar. I think Mahomes and Tua are both very flimsy. I think Jalen Hurts is very like thin. Lamar is the only one because they might just win like a shitload of games.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. If the I mean? Ravens that's go 13 and 4, I think I think Lamar gets it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh so let's pivot real quick while we're here. Connor, do you have defensive player of the year stuff open?
2: Yeah, I got my my
1: phone next to me here. Let me uh Offensive rookie of the year, defensive player of the year. You said, uh, yeah. What are you? Who are you looking for?
0: Well, so we it, it was basically uh, you know Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt there for a little bit, or you know clearly the guys. Um, and I don't know what the historical stuff is on defensive player of the year if your team's not making the playoffs. Um, to Clark's point, like Cl- Clark's taking plus money on the Browns to not make the playoffs. Like, look, Steelers are five and three; they're in playoff position right now. I don't think that's a playoff team. Um, and what happens if all of a sudden the second half of the season, we start to see the sack performance that we would expect from Micah Parsons on a team that we definitely think is making the playoffs. If he's like third in that market, um... You know, I don't know what the market is currently. I'm
1: seeing plus 180. Unfortunately, he's the favorite. He's plus 180. Garrett, plus 190. TJ Watt, two to one. And then everyone else is like 20 to one. So it's like a three-man race right now. There's probably been
2: some money on them looking at the next four games for the Cowboys. I think it's going to be Micah Parsons' DPOY audition season.
0: (laughs) I mean, he's going to get, you know, no one's hanging multiple sack lines out there for us. But I mean, gosh, against this Giants offensive line with, you know, Danny DeVito at quarterback, like that is not going to go very well. Uh, so it'll be yeah. like
1: when, whenever he wants a sack you know what i mean like it's not even going to be like how many yeah.
2: like whenever he wants one he can just get one yeah like got, if you want giants and then panthers and then commanders coming oh up. my
0: gosh yeah bryce is taking sacks a lot too right now Bryce is yeah, yeah is eating sacks that's yeah so i don't know i think that that's that's not where it was i think there's that's makes some sense but i still think that's probably the right side now again like Max Crosby is the same argument. Like I can't talk about Max Crosby and make the same argument about not making the playoffs. He shouldn't be like 25 or 30. Uh, they're dead last pressure rate, and he's like going like as a team, and he's like absolutely dominating uh, and has been an absolute stud. Um, he shouldn't be as far out as he is. But again, that's kind of my point is you know the Raiders are you know six and eleven. He doesn't really matter how good Max Crosby is. You know, so hard to to stand on that. But uh, yeah, I don't know, Micah Parsons. I think it was probably close to two to one. Still, probably a pretty good bet live. So, plus one ninety Fanduel. I just checked yeah. there. Not bad. Yeah, I mean at this point, I have some. I have seven hundred and six fifty from the preseason, so I'm not. I don't need any more. But I feel good about it where it's at. All right. All right. Next, last one. Arizona uh, hosting the Falcons here. Uh, this opened Cardinals as a one and a half point favorite on Sunday night. Quickly went the other way. We had the Falcons one and a half point favorites on Monday. Then we got Kyler Murray news. Uh, we expected it, but again, when it goes official, you just see some reaction in the markets. Kind of how these things work. Uh, it was enough to move the line back in the Cardinals favor. The Arizona one and a half point favorites on Monday night. That's when Clark and I kind of started discussing this matchup a little bit in our Discord. Just how it made its way here onto the show this week. Um, I was pushing back at the time on what looked to be a pretty strong pro Cardinals market sentiment. I just, my point was, I just not even strong on the Falcons. Uh, I just thought if this was going to move to like two and a half or three on the Cardinals side, um, I thought that that would make, you know, an elite leg for the Falcons in a teaser uh, and just had some interest maybe on the Falcons as a money line team. But again, like, I don't know. It wasn't, I wasn't alone. This yo-yoed back. Once again, it's now Atlanta minus one and a half in most spots. Definitely shop this line. There's some like twos. There's some juice one and a half. So take a look here. Totals pushed up from 41 and a half to 43 here. Um, Clark, I'm just not sold on on Kyler. I'm not sold on the Kyler bump. Again, it can't be worse. Probably it's not be worse than Clayton Toon for sure. Um, yeah, so that's you know, I'm not as interested. But, you know, we're talking about maybe making a hat bet, uh, but I thought we were, you know, that was gonna be like a Arizona minus three. I'd have been very much interested here. But what are your thoughts here on Arizona with Kyler in, in this matchup?
2: You know, this is going to be two firsts for me on this show. First, I'm pro pro Bengals. Now I'm going to be pro Kyler Murray. I've been one of the biggest Kyler Murray haters for years, um, but I think this spot actually sets up well for him uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I don't like I don't like backing quarterbacks in their first game back. Like this is a, a pretty well known angle where you know starting quarterbacks tend to look a little shaky. But I think the way that this has been handled makes me less want, uh, eager to lean into that line. Uh, the first is because he's been practicing for weeks like he's been healthy and this has been kind of a slow process where they wanted to wait until the right moment to bring him out and he's been practicing he'll practice with the with the first team this week and get those reps so i think his his health is not really a concern the second is you know, if you look at what Josh Dobbs did well, both in Arizona and in Minnesota last week, it's it's that off script plays, uh, and that's what Kyler Murray does well as well. You know, they have talent on 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 this Arizona offense, especially if James Conner plays. We'll see if that happens, but they've got some speed outside, and if Kyler Murray can just create and get outside the pocket and and you know get running the way Dobbs did against the same Falcons defense without Grady Jarrett. Then I think this Cardinals offense is live to score some points the same way it did in in the best games with Dobbs. Like I'm basically projecting the Cardinals offense to be who they were with Josh Dobbs, and I think that's a pretty low bar for for Kyler Murray, who is you know one of the better quarterbacks when healthy in the league to to clear. Um, so that's that's kind of my my side on on the on the Cardinals offense. As for the Falcons offense, I wasn't that impressed with Taylor Heineke last week. I think. The problem is Arthur Smith. It wasn't Desmond Ritter and it's not Tyler Heineke. It's Arthur Smith and Heineke, you know, was inconsistent, just like we expected him to be. He's he's missing throws. Um, and so, you know, when when the Falcons, when it came down to it, and the Falcons had to you know deliver a game winning drive or potential game winning drive. It was run, 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 run. Um, and I think that's just not really a formula for success, especially against a, an underrated Cardinals defense that really played well against both the Ravens and the Browns in back-to-back weeks. That's getting a little bit overlooked because the final scores were so lopsided. But the defense is actually playing pretty well. And this is not a team that is tanking. This is a, a perception that the Cardinals are tanking. That's just not true. And, and you know, Cleve T.A. on on Twitter, like, he, he you know, absolutely is adamant that they are not tanking. They want to win. Um, and, you know, he knows Jonathan Gannon. So this is a uh, a situation where I think the Cardinals, if they're going to win another game, like, this is a good spot for it um against a, a pretty overrated Falcons team that you know has to go on the road and, and beat an excited Cardinals team getting their quarterback back. So uh I do lean Cardinals although I don't want to over leverage into an uncertain spot. You know, we talked about this in the past. So it would be a small bet for me, but um I do lean the Cardinals at at, at plus money on the money line.
0: Yeah, is it a good do we agree? well, I don't know if it even matters. Do we agree that it's a good organizational decision that they shouldn't be thinking? Um yes, I I um, do. I don't know. I,
2: I think, I mean, look at the Lions, right? like you, I'm pro-tanking
1: you, anytime you're near the bottom.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like, I'm not saying that they should win their way out of the bottom. But I'm saying, you know, three wins, you can still probably get the one or two pick. You know, like, I, I don't think, you know, if it's, if it's week 18, and you're the, you know, the last sure. year, and you're the Texans, and you score a touchdown to to beat the Colts, that's stupid. Like, there's un, uncategor- you know, categorically stupid bad decision. But week 10, you know, with a team that you're trying to build around, like you, you got to remember that these guys are going to be on the team next year. And if you just get used to this kind of mindset of losing, like that really can impact the culture. So I think it's the right move to try to win. I just think they want to make sure they don't go overboard and win six games. You
0: know? Yeah, I think it was smart to do what they did last week, right? It's like, hey, we're probably not winning this with Kyler. Let's not throw Kyler there in his first game. Let's, you know. Throw poor Clayton Tune out there as a sacrificial lamb and let him just take a beating, and uh, that was smart. I just think he makes such a great off-season decision on draft day, especially to really just kind of leverage the Texans. And we remember him betting the draft; like it felt like a panic reaction. We didn't know that you know there was a split decision in the Texans front office. They didn't like there was some Will Anderson love. There was C.J. Stroud, and they're like. Hey, why not both? Like, all right, well, let's get on the on the call with Arizona and it's like you've done such a good job at setting yourself up. Like just and we know what the what the skeleton key is to winning in the NFL these days is to have a top performing quarterback on a rookie deal. And that you put yourself in a massive, massive spot with all that draft capital, all of that financial freedom that comes with Kyler Murray being gone. And you get a rookie contract. I mean, it just, man, that you can fast track your way there, especially if you hit on the quarterback. So, and again, like these players are all, whether it's to your point, like, yeah, they need, they want to build a culture of winning. Players don't tank. They want to put good tape out there. They're not going to be in Arizona. They want to be somewhere else. Like these players are not going out and trying to lose football games. That's ridiculous. Not what I'm implying, tr- insinuating at all. I understand why a coach would say, we're out here trying to win football games. He has a real long leash. He came with a front like a front office. So anytime you get like that front office change with the coaching staff, and I feel like the leash is real long. Like, let's just build this the right way. So um, I don't know, that's more like team building than this matchup specifically. But like Kylie wasn't good last year at all, uh, any way, shape, or form. And he also, to me, like again, this is like again narrative driven he's kind of a front runner like there's a really bad body language when they're not winning and going well and he's got like worse talent than he had last year like he had marquise brown and deandre hopkins and was like one of the worst passers in the league basically in any metric with some good stuff from rich rebar over at sharp football there were 33 qualified passers in league passer rating murray 17th in epa dropback, 23rd success rate career lows in yards per attempt yards per completion touchdown rates. He was really bad. Anytime he pushed the ball down the field, and we know we had like, you know, the just all the stuff with Kingsbury was just all quick outs to the sidelines. It was uh, nothing down the field. Partially because Murray was bad. Twenty or forty-two point one percent of his uh, completion percentage on passes ten yards down the field. His success rate was only had a Carson Wentz, Kenny Pickett, and Zach Wilson. That is not good. And the talent's worse. So I'm also just worried about like first time back you know, is that a spot where I expect him to come in and be somewhat closer to the guy that he's been? Do I really think he's going to be the guy that he was in 2021 and his first time back after, uh, you know, nine months removed from a knee injury? I don't. Uh, I mean, the market seems to agree at least a little bit compared to how we kind of look like we were trending on Monday. Uh, Connor, floor is yours for this matchup.
1: Yeah, I will say, though, this is a new system with Drew Petzing and not, uh, you know, the the system with Cliff Kingsbury, which I think you know, proved to not work at all. And so I think that maybe that helps. I mean, it, Josh Dobbs looked okay. Some games, you know, he wasn't like, you know, terrible all the time. And I don't think that he's a particularly good quarterback. I know that, you know, the media hoopla about him coming in and what he did was absolutely incredible. But I mean, that was more, I think it just kind of a fluke, to be honest. Like it was just like a freak performance. Um Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think that that means that Josh Dobbs is like a good quarterback that I want to like run my offense, you know, like, um, I, so I don't know. I, I kind of like go back and forth on it. I don't really have too strong of a take um, specifically on Kyler uh, because I, I, agree with everything. Basically both of you guys said, uh, I just think that there should be at least some optimism in a new system, given that they've already, in my opinion, kind of outperformed what they already had like talent wise to start, even though the record doesn't necessarily reflect that. Um, defensively though, I think that uh, Atlanta is probably gonna have a lot of success running the ball. And so I think that could kind of dictate some of this game here. Cardinals uh, you know, right now, have been uh, fourth worst success rate, four backs go over 100 yards, six to go over 80. Um, they're fine against the pass. You know, they've been getting better. So I don't know. I think that if Atlanta has success on the ground to kind of alleviate some of the issues with Heineke potentially. So um, yeah, I don't know. Kind of a stay away in hindsight because this didn't move to a number where you guys can make a hat bet. Uh, you know, I wish we took the this, this game off the show sheet as uh, Nat H here, I think is implying. But uh, you know, always fun to talk about a you know shitty game here, and there aren't honestly whole that many more other good games. So,
0: yeah, I know that we like missed anything that's uh, yeah, you know, an yeah. obvious play here. But is there anything else on the board, Clark, that you like uh, that you want to talk about here for week ten?
2: Well, I, I gave one leg of a teaser, so I always have to give out the other leg, and and for me, that's Bills on Monday Night Football. They're minus seven and a half at home against the Broncos. I would play that minus one and a half in a teaser with any other leg you can possibly find. I'd probably you know mix and match it because the bills at 5 and 4 i mean their season like they lose to the broncos their season is over and you know that kind of like well if they lose this one like motivational angle doesn't tend to be uh doesn't tend to turn a a bad team into a good team but it does turn a underperforming, very good team into a good performance. And I think that's the difference here is the Bills are a very, very good team, Uh, but they haven't been delivering the results like things like, uh, you know, Dalton Kincaid fumbling on the 10 yard line of Cincinnati, Uh, you know, Josh Allen's weird interceptions, these things tend to swing outcomes, but they're not necessarily predictive of future performance. So I think this is a spot at home on Monday night where the Bills take care of business. Um, So I would tease that with the Bengals, uh, tease that with whatever other teaser leg you like. Um, but um, as far as sides and totals, I'm still kind of processing, working my way through the, through the slate.
0: Yeah. A I, I, couple legs that I like and I, um, well, the one is gone, um, but I still like the Vikings um, teasing the Vikings at home against the saints. I just saints find ways, unique ways to keep, games close um there, i feel like they're kind of like the vikings last year where the vikings just like refused to win by margin basically last year i just don't think that's really what's happening with the saints at all uh so i like the vikings in, in the spot you know the josh dobbs stuff another week i've been really impressed by the vikings defense so if you can get the vikings you know it's two and a half across the board and you get that out to eight and a half i think it's a great teaser leg i grabbed the cowboys when it was 15 and a half you know kind of an unusual teaser leg but it brought it down to nine and a half which again like uh, I guess 14 and 10 are key numbers. So not a typical, you know, long teaser leg, um, but we've, we brought the Cowboys down to, uh, to nine and a half. So uh, I like that one quite a bit. To, and, uh, you know, now we're up to 16 and a half. I don't like it quite as much, but I, again, still think it's a, a good spot there. So uh, you guys are laughing at me like that. That's not a good teaser. leg. Like, I mean, come on, it's
2: not, it's not, you don't it's, get enough. I, I think way. the math would disagree so with you. Um, oh, I know. I I'm not
0: saying it's a long teaser. leg. Like, I think it's still just, a good just, teaser play the, leg.
2: just play the Cowboys, man.
1: They're going to win by 30 anyways. Danny DeVito's. I, mean,
0: I need a pair of some of my Vikings I, My
2: it. numbers actually like the Giants in that game. I just, I can't bring myself to burn
0: your numbers. Run. Throw them in the can, fire. You can't do that. <laughs> I can't,
2: I can't do it. Um, I don't, no, The Seattle Washington over is another bet that I like. This is a game where I, you know, it opened 44 and a half. I think it's up to 45 and a half. I would still play it at 45 and a half. This is a Seattle offense that has the weapons and quarterback to capitalize against a weak commander's secondary. Um, the Patriots did not have that. Uh, the The, the Commanders' defense has been bad all year, especially the back end, but their front four has been getting enough enough pressure to make it a little bit difficult. Now they've lost Montez Sweat and uh, Chase Young. So you're going to have Geno Smith with all, all the time in the world to pick apart a bad secondary with three really good receivers. Uh, the Seahawks are going to score. And then on the other side, I've been really impressed with the shift in the commanders offense schematically i think they're you know getting the ball out faster for how shorter dropbacks lateral movement things like that so i do think washington can either you know keep up or play from behind either way i think the points get put on the board here
0: yeah don't mind that at all i think you know again with teams going so throw pass heavy i mean especially the commanders like it just allows for more plays right incomplete passes stop the clock that allows for more play volume and those things all lead to uh, more drives more plays and more opportunities Um, I like the Raiders team total under 17 and a half. Um, Like poo-pooing my teaser, like, like, look, Hey, they don't all have to be plus EV. They don't have to all be perfect long teasers. Um, You can go pound sand when the, uh, you know, the Cowboys win by 10 and we're cruising comfortably uh, paired with my math approved Vikings at eight and a half. So um, sometimes you just got to pick the right side and Cowboys under 10 is the right side. Uh, but I like the Yacht Raiders team total under 17 and a half here, too. I think Ian O'Connell has been eating sacks, even though he hasn't had a you know, big sample. But he's got a 41.2% pressure to sack rate uh, in his uh, limited time here. He can pressure 17 times to seven sacks. It's not great against the Jets defense that can uh, can just kind of spam the passer here. So I'll probably bet the board in terms of uh, you know Jets to get sacks here. Probably you know quarter at plus money. There'll probably be three or four guys there. So... Uh, Connor, what do you like here on the board?
1: Yeah, the only thing I would add, Commanders, uh, Seahawks. We took a little bit of piece of Seahawks there. I still like them at six. Um, obviously, buying the Seahawks last week did not work out at all in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm back to the well again here, and I think that we're going to see a better performance. I mean, Baltimore also shit on Detroit, I think Detroit's still a very good team. So, you know, I, I don't think that that's necessarily – you know, indicative of what we'll see here against Washington. I think, like Clark mentioned, uh, New England just straight up didn't have the personnel to exploit. Uh, you know, the Commanders, and I think that Seattle has, you know, that and way, way, way more. So, um, I think plenty of offensive success there. And then, even though the Commanders, I think, will be throw heavy and probably drive volume, uh, I still expect uh, Seattle defense to play pretty well. So, we'll see. I like, I like uh, Seattle here at minus six.
0: Yeah uh good stuff what else we got here anything else we want to talk about i think we're good that's it yeah all right good stuff we appreciate it as always appreciate you hanging out uh look hey embarrassing as usual hey appreciate it bud uh we all have a brand we're to yours but we appreciate you uh hate watching our show <laughs> hit the like and subscribe on the way out the door we appreciate all the stuff um but yeah thanks we're uh we're We really appreciate all your time. And, uh, you know, again, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. You might already have a sub, but if you don't, remember, (laughs) 444.com slash plans. uh, You can use promo code. uh, Bets, 50 for uh, 50% off. You probably didn't want to pay for the full price. You can hate on Twitter. uh, But if you want to pay for, you know, basically a quarter of a price, you can get the betting sub for, uh, hey, just a little bit of money, 62 bucks probably within your budget. So for Connor and Clark, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all on Friday. Thanks, everybody.